0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text for today from the Epistle Lesson, the fifth chapter of Romans, these words, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by the faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, and not this only, but we rejoice also in our sufferings. This is our text. Your friends in our Lord Jesus Christ, I'm old enough to remember a time when so much of our computerese that we speak today, our computer language, meant something significantly different than what it does today, the words that we use in computerese and how differently they used to mean. For example, I remember the day when a hacker was either a taxicab driver or someone who enthusiastically pursued some sort of weekend sport, be it tennis or golf or whatever it might be. The day when to freeze up was something that you did if you went to visit northern Minnesota any time between September and May. A day when crashing is what you didn't want to do to your car. A day when a port was either where you dock a ship or it was the sweet brandy fortified wine that was served after dinner. A day when a mouse was a rodent and a ram was a male sheep and a worm was used for fishing and fishing was spelled with an F and not with a PH and it meant you going out and luring a slimy little creature to take your bait but now it means just the opposite that that slimy little creature out there baits your computer so that he or she can get all of your personal and financial information from you. A day when a Trojan horse was what the Greeks hid inside of in order to gain access and entrance into Troy But now refers to what gets into your computer to erase your hard drive which used to be a thousand miles a day in a car times have changed words have changed it's interesting isn't it hacker worm fishing trojan horse in the computer world they all refer to someone or to some way of gaining access to some place that you don't really deserve to be a place that doesn't belong to you, namely inside of someone else's computer. Someone on the outside getting inside to a place where they could not naturally be and really don't at all belong. Notice that the Apostle Paul in our text for today talks about us gaining place and gaining access to a place where we, by nature, really don't belong either a place where by nature we don't have a right to be namely gaining access into the presence of the one who in our Old Testament lesson for today appeared unto Abraham and identified himself as El Shaddai as God Almighty the Holy One who then commands Abraham Abraham walk blamelessly before me blamelessly Abraham Tamim in the Hebrew perfectly without spot without any blemish walk perfectly before me Abraham not the slightest imperfection and what does Abram do does he step up blamelessly before El Shaddai before God Almighty as though he could rightly claim a place on the merits and basis of what he had done no Abram does the only thing that a sinner can do He does the only thing that any sinner could ever do, helplessly, scripture tells us, and you heard it in the Old Testament lesson, Abraham falls on his face before the Lord Almighty, throwing himself down before the undeserved mercy of El Shaddai, of God Almighty, his posture indicating that he is at a place now where he doesn't even deserve to be. You see, we don't get from the outside to the inside with God because of our efforts or because of our works or because of who we are because of what we've done God's response to any and to every notion that anyone can stand blamelessly before him on the basis of his own efforts or his own works or his own righteousness must always and will forever be access denied Access denied because, as the apostle who wrote today's epistle lesson said, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Access denied because all children born of sinners are, he says, by nature children of God's wrath like the rest of mankind. Access denied because we are, by birth and nature, St. Paul says, dead. And this is the God of the living, and we, by nature, are dead in our transgressions and our sins he says access denied because we too apart from Christ would be excluded the Apostle says from the Commonwealth of Israel we'd be he says strangers to the covenant of promise having no hope without God even in this world access denied if any of us should think for even a moment that someone like a holy hacker would be able to worm his way or fish his way through some man-made Trojan horse of good works into the presence of God Almighty. There's no way to sneak into the city of God like the Greeks slipped surreptitiously into the city of Troy. There's simply no way. Scripture is abundantly clear regarding access into the presence of God. You know what it says? It says no one is justified by the law before God, we maintain, St. Paul says, that man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. You can't, by keeping it, get there and gain access because you won't keep it perfectly. Therefore, as our text for today says, and thank God that it does, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access into this grace, in which we now stand. That's how we are where we by grace his undeserved gift are. Standing in the presence of God now in Christ Jesus scripture says you who were formerly far off have been brought near unto God. How? By the blood of Jesus Christ. The same blood of Christ of which Saint Peter speaks When he says, know this, that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold, but with precious blood, even the blood of a lamb unblemished, perfect, spotless, the blood of Christ. For the blood of Jesus God's Son, St. John says, cleanses us from all of our sins, bought back and brought back by the blood of Jesus Christ so then scripture says once again you're no longer strangers you're no longer aliens but now you are fellow citizens with the saints and you are by this grace and the work of Christ members of the household of God strangers and aliens to earth we indeed are as were Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the saints of old strangers and aliens to earth though because as the Apostle says elsewhere our citizenship is in heaven that's where our citizenship is and that's why we're strangers and aliens here on earth our citizenship is there in heaven in that city spoken of by the Apostle John in the book of Revelation the city without created light because the uncreated light of Christ is going to shine forever upon it and nothing unclean Saint John says nothing unclean shall even enter into it but only those whose names are written in the Book of the Lamb. Dear friends, access is ever and only granted into the Holy City through the blood of the Lamb. There is no other way. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. No one comes unto the Father but by me. There is salvation, Scripture tells us, and no one else. For there's no other name under heaven that's been given among men by which we must be saved. It's Christ and Christ alone. And that's how God brought us from the outside to the inside. That's how our text says we've gained access into this grace in which we now stand through the blood of the Lamb who takes away the sin of all the world. (coughs) And note well too, dear friends, that our text says that we're standing in the grace of God. All too many of us who have been saved by God's grace spend far too much of our lives timidly crawling around, as it were, on all four. Fearful of our past catching up to us, afraid of all the temptations and the dangers that are around us in the world, immobilized by what the future might bring to us, and especially in these financial times we feel especially vulnerable to the world around us and to things that might be coming but friends our past if that's what would haunt us and keep us on all fours our past belongs to Christ he bought it he claimed it he owns it he purchased it with his own blood he became our sinful past for us and the present that's his as well you were bought with a price st paul says you belong to him past and present they're both his because we're his and by god's grace he's ours and so get up off all fours when your head is bowed down to the ground because you're afraid to to look behind you at your past or you're afraid to look at either right or left because of what's around you in the world and you're afraid to look to the future and ahead of yourself because of what might be coming down the road. The future as well as the past and present belong to him, get up off all four, stand in God's grace where your eyes are fixed as the choir sang today upon Jesus the author and the finisher, the perfecter of your faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising its shame and now he's seated at the right hand of God consider him that you then don't grow weary and lose heart for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross consider him and stop concerning yourself so much with fear for the future indeed doesn't scripture say as we heard in the sermon last Sunday if God is for us who can be against us he who spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all how will he not also with him freely give us all things that was the confidence that enabled saint paul to stand in the grace of god to look his troubles and he certainly had his share to look his troubles squarely in the eye and to say what he says in today's text when he says we rejoice also in our sufferings. We rejoice in our sufferings. Times like some of you have, right now are times to stand in the grace of God and even to rejoice in your times of suffering. Tough times, trying times, times of struggling with physical illness and especially illnesses and diseases that don't seem to heal. Struggling with stubborn chronic and terminal illnesses, not only our own but those of people that we love. Times of struggling with inner conflicts, with family conflicts, with work-related conflicts, with daunting financial conflicts and crises of our own times, other insecurities and terrors of simply living in a world that always seems to be teetering on the edge of some crisis or the other. Joy in times such as these, a quiet joy in times such as these. Why? Because through the sufferings of this earth, and though the sufferings of this earth might rob us of some of earth's pleasures, and indeed many of earth's treasures, they cannot rob us of heaven's pleasures. They cannot touch heaven's that far exceed and excel anything that this earth has to offer you. And that's why St. Paul could at another time and another place write to suffering Christians these words of promise that are really for Christ's people of every age. I consider, he said, that the sufferings of this present time aren't even worthy to be compared to the glory that is going to be revealed to us. The promise of that glory that has yet to be revealed to us, that inheritance scripture calls it, that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ, as St. Peter says, is an inheritance that's undefiled. It's not going to fade away like so many of our reserves in our earth and in our world do. It's an inheritance that's not going to fade away because it's reserved for you by God in heaven, you who are protected by the power of God through faith, Peter says, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, he says, you now greatly rejoice even though for a little while you're distressed by various trials. The promise of that glorious inheritance that belongs to those who belong to Christ enables us to persevere even when times are tough even in times of suffering these aren't simply the pious platitudes that preachers preach these are the promises of almighty god to his people to those who suffer in his name and for his sake indeed the greatest blessings that you have in life your eternal salvation came through suffering not your suffering but through the suffering of the one who suffered hell for you, Christ our Lord. Now there are, to be sure, those in our day who prefer a crossless kind of a Christianity, a crossless Christ. After all, it's a much more marketable, marketable thing, more desirable thing, in a world that would despise a crucified Christ. That, of course, is nothing new. In fact, wasn't that exactly what Peter wanted in our gospel for today? Remember, Jesus told his disciples plainly, as your bulletin cover says, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be killed. And what was it that Peter then did? Peter took Jesus aside, Scripture says, and he began to rebuke Jesus. That's what he did. And Jesus then, in turn, Rebuked Peter, remember, and he said, Get thee behind me, Satan, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but you're setting your mind on the things of men." His son on the cross for the sins of us all, that's God's thing. A crossless Christ and a crossless Christianity, those are the things of man. Reminds me of something I shared with some of you in the class a couple of weeks ago. Something a member shared with me about a tour of an old California mission which she chaperoned for her son's class. As the public school class approached the chancel of the 200 plus year old Spanish mission, a number of the kids in the class were awestruck by what they saw. What did they see? they saw a cross and there was a man on the cross what's that man doing up there? one of the little kids asked another equally surprised said what did he do? why is he up there? the docent leading the tour replied well you'll have to ask your parents and so also the student's teacher replied ask your mom or your dad teacher and docent alike knew at least the basic answers to the question but real or perceived school policy muted both not so the nine-year-old son of the mother who told me the story outside the old mission chapel truth be told a small boy with classmates gathered about him was telling them all about the man up there telling them about the man up there and who he is and what he had done for all of them for all of the world on the cross these children you see had seen many crosses actors and actresses and Hollywood and singers in our day wear them all the time to be sure out here the unoccupied cross is a popular piece of custom jewelry it's worn about the neck of Christian and non-Christian alike but Christ in him crucified, a man on the cross, Christ on the cross, that's the stuff that shapes and forms the greatest of confessions made by confessors of every age, be it the apostolic confession of Peter that we heard in today's gospel, that elderly son of a fisherman or Paul, the elderly son of a tent maker who lived two millennia ago or be it the bold confession of a nine-year-old son of a California physician two millennia later. Makes no difference. That's the stuff of the gospel of God. Christ in him crucified for the sins of all the world. Christ, through whom access denied, becomes access granted. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.